0: Hello, and welcome to another insightful episode of the series of the Digital Adoption Show that we call that Upskill. In this podcast series, we bring you expert interviews, insightful case studies, and thought-provoking discussions with industry leaders and upskilling specialists. Today, we will delve deep into the technology adoption life cycle and how user-centricity helps minimize this life cycle for the end user. We will talk to the people who build these user-centric adoption platforms and ensure that it is a smooth process for all end-users. My first guest on this episode is Achyut Krishna. Achyut is the Senior Director of Engineering at wattfix He oversees the Engineering and Technology Charters for the Digital Adoption Platform or DAP product line at WattFix. Based in India, he drives the engineering vision and strategy across the DAP team with the focus on quality and efficiency. Welcome to the podcast, Achuth. It's so good to have you here. I'm sure our listeners will gain a lot of your thoughts, which are backed by more than 15 years of experience in the field. That's just amazing. So we discussed digital adoption here on this podcast. So the first question I want to ask you is, you work in the development team, right? So what all softwares has your That's department right. adopted to? And how does this technology adoption ease your work? Basically, you've adopted to DAP, right? So, how does it help you, and how does your department ensure user and customer satisfaction? Because you are the people building the platform, right?
1: And yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on this podcast. This is a new experience, so quite excited to do this with with you on this podcast. Right. So, I'll speak from an engineering context, right? How we use DAP, or you know, how it helps us build what we are building. Right. Yeah. If you look at an engineer or an engineering team. The standard set of softwares that we use are mostly aligned with the software development lifecycle. Right, uh, this would include software or tools for change management like Jira software, code for source code management like Big Bucket, Big Bucket test case management, and so on and so forth, which typically yeah. align with the function the job function do. Now, apart from all of that, which is most quintessential, is you know development operations tools like Jenkins and things like that. And finally, it is also with respect to um, when you ship the software. How do you ship the software and how do you ensure that whatever you're shipping to customers is functioning correctly? So from okay. a monitoring and, and observability platform also, we use tools, right? But how does this all tie in for us, right? You, you asked how does DAP help you and your department and you know how does it ensure customer satisfaction? Yes. Um, so traditional functional lines of responsibility in the engineering team are constantly blurring, right? There were very fixed responsibilities in the traditional sense of engineering, right? developers would only develop, there would be somebody else who, who would figure out how to take what is developed and ship it to the customer. And there was another team that was doing post production support, and things like that. Right? So, But now right, engineers right. are not expected to just stick to one role and just say, I will just code. But now they're also required to handle, okay, once I do this code, how do I ship this to the customer? Once it's shipped to the customer, how is the customer using it? And how can I support the customer post production? right? So as a result of this this paradigm shift, what is happening is they are now required to use more than their standard set of softwares and tools that they would normally combine. And that plays a role, an important role in their ability to learn all of these additional tools and effectively operate on these multiple tools that are used. Finally, an engineering team that delivers a product with good quality and good reliability will eventually drive customer satisfaction. If yeah. I can't do that internally, what I'm shipping to the customer is, is, is going to be a consequence of that right so that does help us do our job better and by extension of doing our job better customers are benefited by that
0: all right all right also we are discussing digital adoption right it's a relatively new concept for a lot of people out there because the general public who does not work in this field is sort of not very informative about what it is so it would also help our listeners if you could you know tell them a little bit about your thoughts on DAP and also how do you make sure that DAP is user-centric? Like what are the things that the engineering department does to make sure that anyone and everyone who's facing DAP in their day-to-day life is okay adjusting to it? Because it's a new thing for them also. So how do you make sure that happens?
1: Right. Right. So uh, I look at it from the context of context itself, right? Each of us have now grown in our functional roles. To do a lot more functionally, to do a lot more, but we need to be enabled to do that much more.
0: Right? Exactly. Um, yeah.
1: I'll try to say that from an engineering aspect of a you know, every engineer who is using all of these tools that we spoke about in the prior question. They don't need to know everything end to end in order yeah. to do their function. They need to know only what they need to know. Right? It, exactly, it's a yeah. very crude way of saying it, but it's actually the right thing to say, right? You only need to understand what enables you to do your job more effectively or your function, right? This is where user-centricity comes into play, right? So the DAP platform giving you a user-centric approach and and giving you something that is only of context as far as you are concerned is what is becoming invaluable as far as the DAP platforms. So when we try to design something or when we try to build on what fix when we ship it to a customer, that that is part of the design ethos, right? How do you first enable the customer make it user-centric for their users? If you can target content to a specific function or a specific role, that is where the maximum impact comes right I'll, I'll take an example of something that is happening internally in the yes. engineering team for you. So we are we are onboarding a new new platform or a new tool for observability. So there is an existing one and we are replacing it with a new one. Right? And this is to be done across all, all the engineering members across all the teams, right? We're going to open this up to everybody in the engineering team. Now there is a natural learning curve here because this is something new. And what Mm -hmm. they were used to that is existing in the system or prior, they have to now rethink a little bit and then apply whatever their their use cases were there on that tool into the new one. Yeah. So our thought process is, can you use DAP in order to bridge this gap? So can I figure out what is the most used functional scopes in the existing application? Can I translate that using Botfix itself and then integrate the new application with Right. So if I can do that effectively, then... My engineers, don't, they don't skip a beat at all. They can be as productive yeah. as they are currently, even though a new system has come into play, but it gives them the same ability to do so, which is then, you know, it is it is supported by the data. Right?
0: Yeah, I um, think so things like this are a lot of very work, important. Yeah. yeah, because that shift Agreed. that one needs to make in their everyday Correct. work life, adapting to a new Correct. platform. And, and an observability platform
1: is... Exactly. It's a very complex platform. And I don't expect we should not expect everybody to understand every aspect of it. There's no need to. If I'm building a specific feature in WatFix and I'm shipping to customer, I only need to know how to observe that particular feature. It's okay. I don't need to understand the details that go behind you know three, four levels of it. That's not required of, uh, of of me at this point.
0: All right, all right. So we've discussed DAP quite a lot. Now my next question to you would be how do you make sure that you and your team more or less, makes the most out of that and leverage it to benefit you and your users. I think you just answered that a little bit, but just a yeah. deeper insight.
1: Yeah, makes sense, right? Um, see, on a personal front, multiple things, right? Uh, apart from the engineering tools, we are also exposed to HRMS like success factors. Yes. Many of these don't naturally come to, to, a, to an engineering member, right? They are most comfortable with, with code and code related applications maybe but something out of the ordinary is something that we would need to think or apply a little bit more thought process to. So for an engineering team if you look at effectiveness right it's measured by developer productivity Um, Mm -hmm. and it's not a simple measure by any means right Uh, it's an easy word to throw out there but it's a little bit more complicated so a feedback is is an essential part of the cycle this activity. So okay. you take Watfix for example, we're in Watfix. Let's talk about Watfix. Watfix has so many features that can assist with this task. Surveys, feedbacks, yes. user goals, you know, the ability to do user tracking right? and so many things that the platform itself provides, right? Mm. So I can measure the effectiveness of my team, either directly or indirectly using the app by using all of these features that the platform gives to me. Eventually, yeah. an engineer who is independent and is the most successful outcome of any transition that I can get mm-hmm. uh, you know, internally that, that is out here. Right. So I look at it from that sense, right? How do I make sure I'm making the most out of DAP? Uh, not, not so clear in terms of an answer, but I think I can use DAP to figure out how effective my engineers are at this point of time. Exactly. DAP, right? Exactly. So that will that will give me at least an indirect measure of, of, it, of, of the effectiveness.
0: Okay. Also, I think you can track what all features of the DAP platform that you've adopted to are most comfortable for your users, for your team members, basically. So you can build on that. That is that.
1: right. That's absolutely correct.
0: Yes. yes. Okay. So just the last few words, anything that you have to say about DAP and making it more user-centric? What all do you think has helped you make it user-centric? What all things should one keep in mind while trying to adapt to DAP? <laughs>
1: So I've been here seven years, okay, and a little bit of history will help me answer this question. Okay. Uh, and I hope I do a good job of it. So when we started off initially, it was it was from the prism of a guided learning solution. Whatfix okay. was a guided learning platform. User centricity was not a very critical thought process at that
0: time.
1: Yeah. Right? We were in that space where we said, okay, people use applications or enterprise applications and they're going to struggle with it. and Watfix is going to try to bridge that gap for you without having users to move out of your application to get help, right? Mm. But then slowly it started evolving, you know. We decided, or rather we, we realized that you can do much more with a platform like Watfix if you put the user sentence center. So then it started getting more and more interesting, right? Contextualization for the user based on who the user is, what their function is. Exactly. Or perhaps which department they are from. Then came the other part. Ability to identify who a particular user is, right? Uniquely mm-hmm. can you identify mm-hmm. that user. Then based on that identification, what can you do for that user in terms of, you know, maybe a targeted pop-up can be given for that particular user. Exactly.
0: User. Exactly.
1: Uh, exactly. Right? So so on and so forth. It kept, it kept moving within the, the natural progression of user centricity. And lastly, we you know, there is asynchronous abilities to integrate with customers' platforms to get user information. And ingest that information in Watfix, and then use it to modify Watfix's behavior with respect to those users. So everything that we have done after the, those initial stages has always been with the user in mind. right? So I think user-centricity also opens up many possibilities in, in the future also. If you look at labs, many of the products that are coming out of labs, comments, it's very mm. user-centric. Double slash or comments, yeah. Watfix comments that we have is very user-centric. There are AI initiatives that are being released. You know, one of them has already come with the product, but we are thinking of a few more that are there. Those also are very user-centric, right? You're giving the user an ability to prompt and get information uh, from WatchFix itself using those abilities. So uh, I think now it's an established part, user centricity of our of our entire thought process and philosophy. Exactly, uh, so in the last change,
0: episode, yeah. we had Navras from the sales team and he told us the entire <laughs> process of the profile of the user that that uses to give certain prompts. He told us that when he became a manager, he got suddenly his prompts were very different. When he was not a manager, his were yeah. entirely different. So I think that that is amazing. That is that gives the user some confidence that, okay, even if I don't have a higher person above me to guide me through this process, there is this software, which will anyways, help me. Right. I don't need to depend on anyone else to bridge this gap.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Correct.
0: That's amazing. So kudos to your team for building something that amazing. <laughs>
1: uh, it's a- it's a, it's, it's a big team. It's a capable team. I think they worked hard to do what they do. And they definitely have delivered a, a good product to what fixes customers.
0: All right. All right. Thank you so much, Achut, for being a part of our show. And I'm sure everyone who watches this will learn so much more than they already know. Thank you so much. Thank you, Arya.
1: Thank you. It's, like I said, first experience, but awesome. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. All right. So my next guest on today's podcast is Anurag Hota. He leads the charge in product management at WatFix. So it took us a long time to get you here. Anurag, can you tell us a little bit about yourself first?
2: Hi, Arya. I'm excited to be on this podcast. And just a brief about me, I am a product manager here at whatfix I've been in this field for close to eight years now. And yes. especially super excited about the EAP space. I believe we will be talking a bit about that. And what really drives me or what really excites me is identifying users' pain points, talking to our customers, figuring out what exactly is causing a friction with their users of the product and trying to figure out how our product can help them you know, solve their use cases. That's something that is really insightful and exciting for me.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Very excited to have you here, Anurag, and let's get started. So, in this episode, we are discussing about the user-centricity of DAP. Okay, and as a builder of the platform, as you guys really take in charge of how to make it user-centric, my first question to you would be, what all softwares has your department adopted to, and how does this technology adoption ease your work? Basically, are you using DAB? and if yes, how is it helping you?
2: Yeah, so there's a lot of questions. Let's see if I'm able to answer those. Technologies <laughs> are definitely part of everyone's life nowadays, build mobile phones or software applications that we are using. Yeah. Here, product in WordPress, we do use a lot of applications to you know, improve our productivity, work collaboratively with a lot of the other team members as well. So, some of the tools aren't fairly regular tools that I'm sure all of the industry will be using. For example, we do use Jira for collaborating with our developers or yeah. Figma to collaborate with our designers. There are a lot of refinements going on, but one tool in particular that has helped us a lot in the product team here is product board. We do use it to collect all kinds of feedbacks that we receive paid from our customers, paid from our sales team, our market research team. We collect all of them and this tool is super easy to use. It sorts of acts up for funnel. It captures all the insights and then individual have yeah. PM Go through it, figure out what are the themes emerging, and then we try to, you know, sort of work with the design team to see whether this sense the problem statement actually worth solving. The data mm-hmm. to the customer, the regular development cycle you know, follows, right? And this sort of a single tool that gives visibility to the entire organization as well, because we charter our roadmap, our our reasoning why we are doing something, the prioritization, everything happens on this single tool. So yeah, it has really helped us a lot and it has really improved the productivity of the product team.
0: Okay, all right, all right. Amazing. Okay, so we are discussing digital adoption, right? A lot of people are not very aware about the idea of digital adoption. And one thing which we are focusing on in this podcast is the technology adoption life cycle, okay? Which is basically if someone is introduced to a new technology, how long it takes for them to adapt to the entire thing and to be very comfortable with that environment okay so as a product person how do you make sure that DAP is user-centric to minimize the life cycle for the end user
2: yeah so let me answer it in one way as you mentioned that TAP is fairly a new category but I have a different take on this in the sense that if you see the crux of distant adoption or what we are actually trying to say. That has been in literature for quite some time. Like I'm sure listeners of this podcast, if they are from the product team also, or any other team, would have heard of this famous book by by Wes Bush. It's called Product Led Growth. It was really a sensation when it was launched. I was read okay. it. And also, it was mentioned right. Like, how do you how do you ensure that the product that you are selling, the product can be for any 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 application, like any use case, right? Can be for insurance, can mm-hmm. be for can be for customer success, any any department, right? How do you ensure that the people who are supposed to use it, use it in the right way, right? And it is always the responsibility of the product manager that, hey, you know what, I should inform the user they have to do this, or I should highlight something in the application, asking the user, this is where you have to click and not anywhere else, at least in the first onboarding phase, right? And even trainers, product trainers who are responsible, typically in enterprise companies, to ensure well, there are thousand, two thousand employees are trained on a particular workflow. So i very particular that okay. How do I ensure that in the application that these people are using, I define a guided path or I define a particular workflow? So that is the only thing that you should do when you are actually onboarded, right? Mm-hmm. So the concept has yeah. always there. I would say DMP as a tool has actually facilitated it in, in the sense that we have brought out a product which solves a problem statement that was always there, and we made it easier for our personas, which are typically product trainers or documentation team members, or basically product managers that, hey, you know what? Now you have a tool where, without writing any single line of code, you can define pretty much any journey that you want your users to take. It can be a simple journey, which has 10 steps. It can be a complex journey, which has multiple branches and all, or it can be as simple as a simple in-app product messaging that, hey, hi, hello, anurag you have logged into the product for the first time. Would you like to do yeah. this or that? So that is something that Peace has actually brought to the market. Mm. And that has really stick with the customers who are actually using it for so many enterprise applications today. Mm.
0: Okay. Okay. That's, that's very insightful. Thanks, Avira. Also, one more thing that I wanted to know is how are you an end user of that? When you are building these platforms for the end user, basically when you are building that, how is DAP helping you do that? How is that increasing your productivity, efficiency, your team members' efficiency? How is DAP helping you build the platform?
2: That's an interesting question for, you know, PM who is actually building yeah. something. Um, I will try will definitely try to answer that in the best way possible. <laughs> one. <you> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the best thing is that I mentioned in the start, we at this company, WordPress, we ourselves use a lot of tools, maybe more than 20 plus different features across different yes. teams. So I give example of what product the, the product team uses. Similarly, you will have examples from, you know, customer success team, marketing team, customer advocacy yes, team. So yes. Every team have their own needs and they have their own applications, right? And what we have done is, because our tool is used for helping people adopt the application, any feature, any capability that we launched in WordPress, we do dogfooding a lot. That What that means is, if you come to WordPress today and you are part of any different team, any other team that we, I am we, mentioning, any application that you would use will have WordPress already on top of that, right? So how does yeah. that help? That the thing too is. Like, of course, we reduce our own internal support cost because we don't have to spend time paying this new employee that these are the things that you need to learn about this application. And it also gives us, you know, immediate feedback from our internal team members because they are probably the nearest one. From a product team, for a design team, it's very important. Okay, I release something. I go to them and tell, hey, you used it. How did you feel about it? What, what was missing there, yes, yeah. right? To give an example, let's say there are many instances that I use TAP to automate many of my tasks or improve my efficiency. So I I, I do manage a team of say four members, and recently we had a yes, where one of my employee wanted that he wants to move out to let's say our Google office, right? Now I do know that H R has a policy of relocation, but I have to figure out where it was, right? I can search for emails yeah. or Google Drive, but. I know that because Workpix is already there, and this exactly why the use cases are developed. I was in Gmail when I get that request. In Gmail, we have also integrated Workpix, so I just did a quick search. What is the relocation policy? And there it was. I got a very quick summary assisted by AI. That this is the relocation policy. Of course, yeah. that helped my purpose. But if I wanted more information, paint the the policy in details, I could have clicked it and read to the entire document. So, pretty much, I like at least for me, I probably save 10 or 10 minutes of my time just to use it. And yeah. then now we, we try to integrate uh, a lot of workflows that managers use or employees use and see what are the things that can be automated for them. Maybe leave approvals or work from approvals. All of these things you mm-hmm. can need, need people to open a new tab, see who have applied and then do an approval. Right? Why can't you automate that? Things like that we have automated and we have seen significant you know reduction in time for people when they were Doing this without work, right? So uh, yeah. that's some. how we use. Of course, with those users pattern and all and talking to you know, team members, you figure out, okay, people really want, hey, all this is cool. Can I favorite some of my tasks here? Or can I add some of my tasks in my... Yeah. Uh, sort of a check and I get it on the fly. So those are the inputs you look for as a PM because once you see that, you know, okay, this may be a main point that users of our customers may also be facing and then we probably build the next set of capabilities from there on.
0: All right, all right. Amazing. That's that's super amazing. Now I just want to know one thing and that would be how would you tell a user to get the most out of that? Or maybe how are you doing it? But more importantly, what would you say to someone who's new to the concept but also wants to grab the most he can out of it?
2: Yeah. So again, very apt question given the industry we are in, because the way we look at it is, or at least in my opinion, is every industry actually evolves or every category of product actually evolves, right? So you had CRM yeah. solutions and solutions. If you look what they were doing 10, 20 years back, you would yeah. have a very different capabilities that they are providing today, right? Similarly, for DAP, because it is probably the terminology is probably four or five years old. Initially when yeah. in the DM concept started, people said, like, Oh, yeah, this is so amazing. I can create pop-ups, I can create beacons, and things like that. Yeah. And that is how customers started doing, right? But what eventually happened is they didn't thought about the end users, right? Like people who would actually consume this content. Now imagine yourself, let's say somebody would you would be using some application. And the moment you log in, you see 10 pop-ups coming together, right? As a user, you would not like it, right? You would probably like, yeah. what is this? Like, am I supposed to see all this stuff thing, right? But that is how the industry actually started. People thought, okay, now they have this super interesting tool, we can create so many things. And they didn't bother like whether the users really need it or not. So right? that's where it's very important for anyone who is actually new here or have been using TAP for quite some time to be very clear of the objectives for which they are using a tool like this. Okay. This is not a tool for you to create what you think is right. Okay. Rather, it is a tool for you to figure out what are the pain points that your users are figuring mm-hmm. in an application and then assist them. A good example for that would be you probably, probably. don't need 100 popups in your system, right? Definitely not. Yeah. But yeah. definitely yeah. go and pop-up for a new user who is logging in for the first time, and then you can probably personalize that information that hey Arya or hey Andhra, you have recently joined the organization. These are the three things that you need to do. That would be much yeah. much as well as helpful for the user than giving a generic pop-up every time. have you recently joined the organization to do these things, right? So yeah, there you. is a certain So for someone who wants yeah. to make the most out of it, I would say don't go directly and start creating content which you believe is the right content. And typically what people do is whatever is there in the support page of make it, make a Whatfix content out of it, right? That is not yeah. what we want. Because eventually then you would end up with probably 500 flows or 200 pop-ups which nobody will be you know, willing to read, or yeah, yeah, yeah. but rather look at your objectives, figure out why you want to use a tool like this, then at least figure out where your users are actually struggling. Is it in the fourth page of the application? Is it in the fifth page of the application? Or is it like on a particular workflow they are struggling? Figure out those instances and then augment your content to that, right? So that would if you much better ROI than simply thinking, okay, I have created hundred content. What will happen now? Why are people not losing it?
0: Okay. All right. Amazing. It was everything I think listeners needed to hear about user-centricity and that. And thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts over here.
2: And it was so good to have you. Thank you, Arya. Thanks for having this uh, discussion. I really enjoyed it. Have a good day. Bye-bye,
0: everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this insightful episode. Stay tuned as we bring you fresh perspectives every week on the Digital Adoption Show. We are thrilled to announce that our podcast is now live on multiple platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and much more. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes filled with insightful conversations. We greatly appreciate your support and encourage you to leave a review, comment, or a rating to help us continue continue delivering valuable content.